Hey guys, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Richard Green. I'm one of the digital asset educators for blockchaincamp.ca, where we exist to try and help people understand the crypto ecosystem. And our goal is to help a million people to understand the crypto space. Okay, guys, uh, Bitcoin is 10 years old. Can you believe it? It's been 10 years since Satoshi Nakamoto released his white paper and we began mining the first Bitcoins. As I'm speaking at the beginning of November, Bitcoin has been trading at around $6,300, guys. Ethereum holding that $200 US mark. Uh, Bitcoin Cash has been pumping, uh, possibly due to the IPO coming out, and they're needing to um, show some good valuations on their books. Um, but that's all speculation. Their overall market cap is around $208 billion, with a Bitcoin dominance of around 52 53 Happy birthday, Bitcoin. You made it 10 years so far. What will the next 10 years have in store? Well, I guess we'll have to see, won't we? Okay, guys, on today's episode, I'd like to highlight a news article that came out regarding Charlie Shrem and the Winklevoss twins. As you guys know, the Winklevoss twins are the two twins who sued Mark Zuckerberg, claiming that they were the original inventors of Facebook. And I believe they sued him for somewhere between 60 to 70 million dollars. So not a bad payday for them. But the Winklevoss twins, being the entrepreneurs that they are, took uh, a sizable chunk of that uh, proceeds from their lawsuit and invested in Bitcoin. And they were one of the earliest investors in Bitcoin. And I think at one point they owned up to 1% of the Bitcoin supply. Shrem, guys, is one of the original gangsters in the in the crypto space. He's up there with Roger Ver. He's been in the space for a long time. And he actually opened one of the first trading platforms or crypto exchanges known as BitInstant. And he was also one of the founding members of the Bitcoin Foundation. Charlie has done a lot for Bitcoin. And I mean, he has helped a lot of people get into the space. And in fact, back in 2012, he was sort of like an OTC broker sort of thing. Um, He worked with the Winklevoss brothers. And um, in 2012, they gave him $250,000 to buy Bitcoin. Now, he ended up giving them uh, $189,000 worth of Bitcoin at the time. However, um, Bitcoin was only trading around $12.50, meaning that he still owed them 5,000 Bitcoins. And today, those 5,000 Bitcoins are worth $32 million, which is half of the settlement they got for Facebook. So this is a pretty big deal. Now, unfortunately for Shrem, he got locked up um, for allegedly money laundering, um, supplying a million dollars in BTC to people buying drugs on Silk Road. I mean, Silk Road, we can talk about that later, uh, was a marketplace for anything on the dark web. It's a very interesting story. We'll, we'll look, at this, look at that in a second. So Charlie, for his involvement um, with Silk Road, he was given a two-year prison sentence, but he only served one. And There's now a lawsuit by the Winklevoss twins saying that he's making extravagant purchases. As soon as uh, Charlie got out of jail, he bought a couple of Maseratis, some power boats. He bought millions of dollars worth of real estate, some in Florida, across the states. And uh, the Winklevosses are now claiming that, hey, 
he's making all these purchases. It's possible that he's using the money that he held from us back in 2012 and he's making this happen. And so uh, the Winklevoss's lawyers are saying basically this guy's making extravagant purchases and he needs to pay up that 32 million or that 5,000 Bitcoin that he owes from back in the day. And the interesting thing is the only reason why they're coming after him now is because they're seeing all of these purchases. Charlie, I mean, you've seen enough movies. Um, Why would you go and buy so many nice things so quickly after coming out of jail? Just a question. Just a a, a reasonable question. And the other red flag is that uh, Charlie Schrem was allegedly... uh, supposed to pay back $950,000 in restitution, which he has not yet paid. It doesn't look too good, Charlie. And I'd love for you to come on the show and kind of give us your side of things because we're only reading what the media is feeding us and we're taking it as fact. But what we do know is that because these lawyers from the Winklevoss twins, and I'm sure they're some pretty big guns, um, have have alleged that uh, he has been spending a lot of money and he still owes money, the judge in this case has frozen Charlie's bank accounts. Well, at least some of them. Now, let let me get this straight. The judge is alleging, based on speculation, that... um, Charlie is using proceeds from a previous uh, deal, which he owes money on to make all these purchases today. And so they've frozen his bank accounts. But if you think about it, if Charlie is a big enough believer in Bitcoin to the point where he had an exchange, he had it, he was involved in the Bitcoin foundation, it just scratches my head to think that he would keep a large percentage of his net worth in fiat currency, which is tied to his bank accounts. The chances are that even if Charlie has Bitcoin for the Winklevoss twins, which he might, and he probably has a lot more from other deals that he's done, the chances are he's probably keeping his wealth in Bitcoin, which means that even if the judges come in, freeze his accounts and shut everything he has down, it's probably likely that Charlie has safeguarded his funds. Now, the question I want to ask is, is it lawful? for the judge to freeze his account without definite proof. I mean, the judge is going on hearsay. He's going on speculation. I was to the belief that in the American system that you are innocent until proven guilty. I mean, it is possible that Charlie has other investment vehicles that he was able to manage while he was in prison or in jail. And so I I just want to ask the question, like, what right does the legal system have to freeze your account um, because they speculate that you're inappropriating the use of your funds without proper factual evidence? Um, you know, it's, it's, some, it's, something, it's something to consider. But on the flip side, here's the other question. If Charlie is actually holding the majority of his net worth in Bitcoin, is it lawful for a judge to force him to give out his private keys. And I mean, if if he does give his private keys, he could have a thousand different Bitcoin wallet addresses and he could just give them one with just pennies um, in that account. I mean, how could they actually prove that this is Charlie's um, Bitcoin address? Um, so this is, this, is, this is a very interesting space, guys. And I, I want to just 
pose a question to ask, you know, the legality of freezing his bank accounts, one. And also on the other side, the legality of them um, confiscating private keys. Is it possible and will it happen? Things to think about. Now, in this other side of this podcast, I want to look at what uh, Charlie was alleged um, contribution was to Silk Road. I mean, he he provided a million dollars to Silk Road. Silk Road was was touted as the most sophisticated and extensive criminal marketplace on the internet. Um, it lasted for about three years, from 2011 to 2013, um, and the the founder was Russ Albright. We we know this guy's name. Uh, he was shut down by the FBI uh, pretty harshly. Um, but I want to pose a question that was Silk Road the biggest uh, user adopted case of Bitcoin? Because when you look at the numbers, the numbers do not lie. Over that three year period, Silk Road was able to generate nine and a half million Bitcoin worth of sales. Now, obviously, Bitcoin's price was a lot lower, but that's incredible volume. They did over a million uh, transactions on the marketplace, which consisted of uh, almost 150,000 buyers with almost 5,000 sellers. That's a pretty healthy marketplace for a startup. Um, and overall, Russ, uh, Ross Albright was able to make about 600,000 Bitcoin in commission. Not too bad. So when we look at history, we can't deny the fact that Silk Road, as nefarious of a dark web marketplace as it was, had a very positive impact on the overall development and growth in Bitcoin. And I say this because it's what really triggered a lot of people to gain interest in the space. And it's important to know that Silk Road wasn't just for dark web type sales. It was also like an eBay platform. Yes, they sold drugs. Yes, they sold guns and hacking um, abilities and uh, <laughs> things that are extremely illegal. But on the flip side, it was a viable marketplace in terms of a MVP. It did work. There was a minimum viable product. And out of that, out of that chaos, out of that um, illegal activity came something more beautiful. And I, I think it's important to know and see that we're seeing the evolution of uh, a currency, of a, a money system that came out of just an experiment with Satoshi's white paper uh, 10 years ago to where we are today, going through the growing pains to evolving to a widely accepted currency worldwide that is um, being adopted by a lot of institutions today. So guys, um, I hope you found this podcast interesting. I hope you learned something, um, whether it be about uh, Charlie Shrem or about Silk Road or about Bitcoin adoption in general. And um, if you guys have any questions, we would love to hear from you, try and answer them. And uh, if Charlie's out there, if he ever listens to this podcast, we would love to interview Charlie Shrem and just hear your side of the story. We know that media is often biased, but... Um, we want to just encourage you, Charlie, uh, to just come out, give a statement. We know you're defending yourself. And uh, it's kind of like David against Goliath right now with the Winklevoss twins versus Charlie Shrem and them trying to milk every last penny. And um, I think that uh, the crypto space needs to be more aware of what's happening, what's also happening to its pioneers, and also uh, how they can contribute to the space by creating awareness. So guys, I want to thank you again for tuning in. My name is Richard Green from blockchaincamp.ca. We hope to see you guys soon. If you like this, please like it, please share it and subscribe. And we hope to see you soon. Bye for now, guys.